Let's just say I put him in a hole and threw away the hole. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're big fans of all of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screens, so we want to make sure that we talk all about it. Yep, so thanks for joining us today, and I want to go ahead and get us started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott. Well, Scott, I got in the mail this week something I've been waiting for. There's a fellow out of the UK. He's actually out of London. I wonder if he's actually Rip Hunter. Maybe in the future, but we're in the past. Remember? (laughs) that. That is true. Well, if he's from East London, he might be Rip Hunter. But anyway, his name is Paul Edwards, and he's a big Superman and a DC Universe fan. And he actually created something called the DC World Mystery Box. And basically what it is, is a DC related box of goodies that he would send out uh, maybe once a month or however often it might be. But it basically kind of competes with Loot Crate and the Comic-Con box. And it's all DC oriented. And he started posting and selling these things actually on eBay. And so I was really curious about it. You know, I just love the idea of a DC only box, you know, since I am a DC fan. And I went ahead and purchased one, even though it was having to be shipped over from the UK. Uh, I just thought, you know, I definitely wanted to do this and do it for the show and just kind of have a little fun with it. So, Paul actually has a website called DC World, and his website is uh, www.dcworld.org.uk. Uh, on Twitter, you can find him at underscore DC World. But anyway, you can uh, go check it out. I'm going to go ahead and open this box here and see what's inside. So, let me go ahead. Head. It's like Christmas morning. It's like Christmas morning. So I did pre-cut the box. Oh, that nice. Okay, so here we go. Opening up the box. So the first thing I see here is a Batman Day, Batman Endgame Special Edition comic book. And I think this was celebrating Batman Day in September. Yeah, it's like the content is basically uh Batman 35, the part one of the in-game arc, and right. it had a little insert for Batman and Robin Eternal. Yep, yep, very good. All right, uh, the next thing out of this box here, it looks like a Superman versus Batman keychain, and this one's kind of cool. It's It looks like it's the actual logo from the Batman v Superman movie, uh, but it's actually called Superman versus Batman, and the thing that's kind of interesting about this is I don't think this is official merchandise because it has Brandon Roth's Superman picture on it. <laughs> so, but anyway, kind of cool nonetheless. So there's that. We got this thing called a Mattel Quick Shots. It's a slingshot toy. It's basically, it looks like General Zod and Superman that you hook together at the hands, and it looks like you slingshot Superman from Zod. So it'd be a great stocking stuffer for my kids for Christmas. Then we have over here, it looks like a General Zod Demolition Claw action figure. So <laughs> it looks like uh, something you'd see on a backhoe. Uh, I don't quite remember that being in the Man of Steel movie, but, you know, it is a toy nonetheless. So they always take a lot of liberties with that. So another little stocking stuffer for the kids. Um, then we have some Superman socks here. Keep That's, your feet warm. Yeah, I'll keep my feet warm. There's a Superman keychain. Now this one actually looks like, who's the artist? Ed McGinnis? from Superman, Batman. But he did the first art. He did the public enemies arc. Yeah. Looks like his kind of art style. Maybe it's just kind of like a soft rubber keychain. And then we have, looks like a flash mini Lego figurine. Everything is awesome. (laughs) That's right. So another little fun gift. And then, oh, this is the one I, 
I think I like this one the most. Here's a Batman skull cap. Oh, yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, for for people like me who are kind of who are on their way to being bald, that would be nice. <laughs> well, you live in the southern part of the United States, so you don't really need to keep your head warm like I do. Uh, yeah, well, you got because I live in the southern part. When it gets when it gets like cutesy cold, that'd be cutesy cold to you. It's like freezing to us. You know, okay. You gotta, you gotta remember that's how it works down here. Gotcha. All right. Sorry about all the noise, but uh, so the last one. It's a special wrapped up gift since I was one of the first 10 to buy this from DC World. I get an extra special gift and this actually has a, I don't know if this is a coaster, but it's a picture of Harley Quinn and it's basically encapsulated inside glass. So I think this is a coaster. So pretty cool. So yeah, this was kind of a lot of fun. This is kind of what I expected to get from a mystery box here. So for those of you that are DC fans out there and want to just kind of get something special, I don't see myself doing this every month because, you know, the shipping costs were quite a bit just to get this over from the UK. But I, I definitely want to, you know, get the first one and just have a little fun with it. So and it's really cool when you get the package that says Royal Mail stamped all over it. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. So anyway, Paul, thank you very much for this. And, you know, I hope you can take this as a token of friendship from your friends across the pond that, you know, we wanted to go ahead and purchase this from you. Hopefully this kind of makes up for us splitting away from the mother country, England. So and I would say, you know, since we went ahead and bought this box, so let's just call it even. <laughs> So anyway, a lot of fun. You guys go check it out. Sounds like a good DC fan is trying to put something together. Kind of cool here. So we'll kind of see where it goes. Fantastic. Scott, how about your week? Did anything important happen on Wednesday? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Just some, just a little something called Dark Knight 3 finally came out. Oh, did that come out? Okay. Yeah, it did come out. Mm-hmm. I spent most of my morning running around trying to pick up as many variants as possible. Uh, unfortunately, and including eBay, which is a very dangerous thing for me <laughs> right i ended up purchasing between my local comic shop the second and charles which is kind of a little su- subsidiary of books a million and online and ebay i ended up picking about 25 different covers for this thing mm-hmm. and i don't even know how many more there were because there there there's still covers that i just completely ignored but um yeah ebay was dangerous <laughs> it was very dangerous but um getting to the book itself i enjoyed it both the main story and the little uh inside comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt very much like the original Dark Knight Returns. Even Andy Kubert's artwork, while it, while it did look very Andy Kubert, there's no denying yeah. that it was his work, but he took character designs and definitely tried to give them a Frank Miller-esque feel. Mm-hmm. And the layouts, the way that the panels were arranged on the on the page, definitely very reminiscent of, of Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Even to the point that they even the little media boxes yeah, again. They did. And just like in Dark Knight Returns, you recognize who they are. Mm-hmm. Like they are intentionally parroting actual people who are currently on television. Yeah. Just like they did in Dark Knight Returns. And so you see John Stewart, you see Bill O'Reilly, you see Michael and Kelly. Yeah. Uh, trying to think who else they they parody, but those are the ones that I that really popped out to me. Yeah, the one thing that kind of struck me on that is I remember back from the original David Letterman was very obvious with his the little uh, gap between his teeth. And you yes. actually saw that with Michael as well from Michael and Kelly. He's got the big gap between his oh, teeth. Oh yeah. But. I didn't catch that. That's yeah. very 
good. But the story, because it's the first of eight issues, you know, you didn't get a lot of story. Uh, you got a lot of setup. So I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't read it, but I would recommend it. I I enjoyed it. Uh, the And then when you got to the insert comic, which was actually drawn by Frank Miller, the pencils are by Art, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Miller. It's interesting. He's, t- he's sort of toned back his style. He got very stylistic, mm-hmm. very blocky. And this, uh, with drawing that Adam insert comic, his his art styles become a little less stylized. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of early Frank Miller, not later Frank Miller. And that was interesting. And I love the way that the tie-in comic ties into the main story. It just shifts its focus to another character within the Dark Knight universe. So I recommend it. And it was really funny because I saw a Twitter conversation between Brian Azzarello and Frank Miller today where they were like, Frank, where we screw up? People are actually <laughs> saying good things about it. And like, I don't know. It was really funny, the two of them going back and forth. Yeah, something must be wrong. Something must be wrong. We actually did something people like. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to see where it goes. I kind of felt the same way. Like, I liked Andy Kubrick's artwork. The way he put together some of the panels, it, it really did harken back to Frank Miller's work. So, Scott, one other thing I want to say, I actually got you a gift. You did? I did. And I just sent it to you in a Twitter message here. Oh, really? I'll have to check it out. But, uh, you know, we'll just consider it maybe like an early, you know, Christmas present. We have a store here in town where I live. It's called buymetoys.com. And they were one of the retailers that had a special variant. And this is probably actually my favorite variant. It's, oh, it's a yes. Gary Frank. Gary Frank variant. Yep. It's so awesome. So, Scott, I got you a mint copy. And, Thank uh, you. And we'll be sending it off your way here shortly. So. Oh, I appreciate it. So, so, so since this is radio and people can't see this the gary frank cover is the batman superman fight with mm. superman catching the kryptonite arrow right before it explodes <laughs> yeah. oh and it's gary frank and it's he's gary just frank. he's he's incredible yeah and it looks to me it's like it's more kind of like a maybe of a more of a modern crisp kind of like interpretation of frank miller like i really love his art style oh thank you tim no problem man i wanted to make sure i got that for you because i i knew you're probably gonna be hunting for it anyway so yay well that's that's i think that's enough of us talking about us. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So let's get on to the news. Definitely. Oh my God. If you have not heard it by now, it's happening on Monday. Yep. We are finally getting some... Well, they're calling it sneak peek of Batman v Superman during Monday's fall finale of Gotham. I know. Now, they say sneak peek. So the question out there is, are we actually getting new footage? Mm -hmm. Are we getting a new trailer? Yeah. That's my question. Needless to say, I will be watching Gotham on Monday. Yeah, the same here as well. And yeah, I mean, so this was announced actually through the Gotham Twitter feed, right? Yes, it was, because that's where I found it today. So there's actually a video and I can't remember how long it is. 50 seconds. 50 seconds. Yeah, I would say it's about a minute long and it's actually got all the cast members of Gotham or, you know, several of them anyway. And they're asked a question, you know, Batman versus Superman, who do you, who's going to win? And pretty much everybody said, hey, you know, Batman's going to win. You know, they're on a Batman show and Batman's going to win. But there was one, the one guy. Butch. Butch, yeah. He actually goes, well, I think it'd be Superman. He goes, that's not going to get me uh, fired from the show, is it? So a lot of fun. Yeah, because it has, uh, it has Dr. Tompkins, Mm -hmm. Riddler, Penguin, yep. uh, Harvey Bullock, Alfred, and then it ends on Butch yeah. going, 
I think Superman's cool. Yeah. So anyway, uh, very heavy Batman, as you would expect from the show about Batman. It really makes me wonder if we're not going to see something similar then with the Supergirl midseason finale. And I'm actually not really sure when that is, but it really makes total sense. And if this kind of harkens back, if you remember, Heroic Hollywood had uh, a rumor that, you know, there was going to be kind of competing snippets shown at the same time, you know, since Gotham and Supergirl air at the exact same time on Mondays, that each show was going to have an individual like snippet that was going to be geared towards either Superman or Batman. And that never came to pass. But I think because the rumor was supposed to be for the premieres, the premieres. Yeah. Well, actually not the premieres because the premieres were on different. Oh, you're right. right. Okay. But, uh, you know, I think it was like a fun rumor and it, it made a heck of a lot of sense. I mean, let's remember, you know, you know, obviously Marvel does this. They promote their movies with their TV shows. Uh, you know, Smallville quite famously did it with Batman Begins back in it's like the mid as like 2005 or 2005, I think. It was 2005 when Batman Begins came out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this has been done before and I think they actually had like about a seven or eight minute um, preview. So so we don't know what we're going to get here. You know, they announce these things just a few days before, which is usually what they do um, to kind of keep the the buzz, the maximize the amount of buzz for it. But I think it actually makes sense to not air them at the same time. So if we actually have one that is kind of Batman centric to have it on Gotham on a separate day than when they would have the Supergirl one, that makes total sense because that way you're kind of maximizing your audience for a given show on a given day. Well, it's also the finales. You know, this is the fall finale of Gotham. Like yeah. this is the last time Gotham's going to air yeah. until February. Yep. They'll at least air new episodes. And since I, I don't know when the Supergirl midseason finale is, so I don't know when new episodes in for them. So, and I would expect that if when Supergirl does something like this and it's more Superman centric, I would expect it to get like I would expect to hear some advertising for it because yeah. you want to gin up the interest because you want people to tune in live. Right, right. So anyway, so in case you've been living underneath a rock, make sure you tune in Monday to see this because uh, we're going to get something new. So we just don't know exactly what it's going to be. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. All right. Kind of moving on. So we actually had Chuck Roven. This kind of goes back to that Collider interview. And this was another little snippet. And so Chuck Roven revealed that all the planned DC movies right now are intended to be PG-13. Which we kind of discussed even, what was it, last, was it two weeks ago or last week where we, we discussed this bit and we said, well, it makes sense because if all the movies exist in the same universe, well, then they're all going to be rated PG-13. And it's not just whether they're they're in the same universe or not. It, it's also from a business standpoint, you know, you're going to maximize your audience with a PG-13. And and as we've said before, you can really do quite a bit with PG-13. You don't really need to go to, a, you know, a full R. To me, you save that for like director's cuts and things like that. So Which which allows you to make your as much money as possible in the theater. Yep. And then you even generate more buzz on the home video release because then people want to buy the home video release to get that extended cut. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, you jump on the internet and you see some of the vocal minority on this that gets all upset that we're not going to get maybe a rated R film. DC and Warner Brothers want to make a lot of money and this is the way to do it. And it's really the right thing to do. This is your core audience and you want to make it accessible to anyone over the age of 13. Well, and and quite a few people under the age of 13. Well, that is definitely true. So, yes. so Suicide Squad ca- uh, gave a little bit more information. We keep on getting more and more stories of this Jared Leto how he behaved on set. Yeah. And this is now where we're starting to get some contradictory stories about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now, we did get a story this week that sounded very much like the Jared Leto that we've been hearing for the past several months, mm-hmm. that he was constantly in character, that he was making odd requests, odd demands. 
And apparently the newest one is that when filming would wrap for the day, Jared Leto would ask the crew to lock him up in one of the cells and keep the key and allow him to stay in the prison cell overnight. Yeah. <laughs> that's just weird. Yeah. If that's true. At this point, I'm starting to question what's true and what's not, to be <laughs> honest with you. It's making great buzz. It's making great publicity. Yeah. I, I am, however, questioning the validity. I well, I, I don't think I don't think the story was that he was asking him to be locked up every night. I think it was just on one night he said, "Hey, lock me up overnight." So okay, and why not? Why not? I think it's a lot of fun. But you know, this actually comes from the website, not yet rated, and their sources are saying that hey, you know, he was not in character the whole time, like it was being reported. Um, now, I I think I probably side with the reports that he was much more in character uh, the vast majority of the time, and the reason being is because we had Chuck Roven. He's about as inside of a sources you can get said that he was in character the whole time you had will smith who said he's never met uh he's never met jared leto he's only known the joker and you know jai courtney has said the same thing as well and i, I think he was on the set pretty much heavily in character and, and maybe there was a couple small instances where he was maybe with some of the um you know the crew you know behind the scenes where you know he was a little bit out of character but anyway just another little fun story so stay tonight overnight in jail did you see this story about the joker mobile of course i did <laughs> Vroom, pretty car. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So apparently the local affiliate for uh, the Fox affiliate in Tampa Bay, Florida, mm-hmm. um, got to talk to Matt, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly, Matt Mintegart. <laughs> even, even, the, even the news anchors have a problem pronouncing this guy's name. <laughs> yeah. But apparently he's a local kit car designer in the Tampa Bay area. And it turns out that he was responsible for designing and building the Joker Mobile, the, pu- or the purple car that we've been seeing in the Suicide. Suicide Squad trailers. Yeah, the designers for Suicide Squad approached him about it and said, hey, we like your car. Can we use it, you know, as a car for the Joker? And that's where Matt came in and said, you know, absolutely. He's like, yeah, absolutely use my car for that. Now, the car is called a Vador. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you've, you've seen the pictures. You, well, not even seen the pictures. You've seen the video. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very low to the ground, very sort of uh, street racer kind of car. Now, it's interesting because it's a kit car. It means it's been built... It's been built kind of not only from scratch, but he did build it. And it's based on an Infinity G35 frame mm-hmm. that he puts a, what was it, a, a polycarbon uh, or a, what was the, what was the body made out of? Do you remember what the story said? I don't remember. I don't think it was fiberglass. It was something, maybe some carbon fiber or something. Yeah, I think something like that. And he said it cost, it only cost him about $60,000 to build, which I asked my dad, who is really into cars and, mm-hmm. you know, has, has rebuilt cars in his basement. And he said that to build a car that is actually pretty cheap yeah when it comes to building a kit car yeah and so and of course you know once the car has been put uh in the movie he's getting orders and calls <laughs> from around the world because now already he's getting calls already the movie's not even out yet yeah but um i don't know i the reason i wanted to bring the story up is that as we discussed a few weeks ago when the creator of the 1966 Batmobile passed away, uh, this story just so reminds me of the story of how that uh, that crea- that kit car customizer built the Batmobile from a, from a previous car. Mm-hmm. And this just felt sort of in the same spirit yeah. of designing new cars based on, you know, available parts from, you know, publicly uh, mass produced cars. Yeah. So, uh, 
I mean, pretty cool. Um, I'm going to check to see the show's budget to see if maybe we can go ahead and purchase one of these. Um, we might be a little bit short of the 60000 but we'll. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll look into it this week. Now, Tim, we do kind of have to call you out on something, don't we? Oh, the fact that I called it a Lamborghini in episode one? Yes, yes. Well, Are you going to man up to that? I, I think you've already manned up for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not exactly manning up, is it? No, no. It's just revenge for you messing with me on Twitter earlier this week, <laughs> just so you know. That is true, Omac. Omac, yes. Yep. Inside joke if you follow our Twitter feed. Yep. So it is actually a unique kit car, which is cool. It's good to know that now. It's fun. Yeah, it, 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 it adds it adds a special story and a special flavor to the movie. Well, and it's going to be a special car. There's nothing like it out there, well, at this point. Anyway, moving on, we actually have some more Batman v Superman news. Now, Ben Affleck actually kind of opened up a little bit about his role as Batman and Batman v Superman. Now, Variety actually did a feature on Ben Affleck, and Affleck opened up about the pressures of actually playing Batman, and he said, you know, there's a ton of pressure on this. You know, he's, he basically said, look, I'm not going to be lying to you. I would be completely BSing you to say that there wasn't any pressure. Which is kind of nice, because we all know there is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he fully acknowledged it, which is great. And he went on to talk about how Warner Brothers has been using the DC properties. It's probably really the most underdeveloped IP out there in the entertainment business is really the DC comic world. And he said, now that we're starting to exploit that at Warner Brothers, and he says, you're going to really see that blossom. And he says, when it does, it's just going to absolutely be massive. And, he's, and he talked about how Warner Brothers is going to have a great year next year. Yeah. Like he's very confident that Warner Brothers films, because Warner Brothers is sort of infamously, they've not had a good year this year. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, really, they had Mad Max. Mad mm-hmm. Max was the one film that they were able to go, thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. That was a bl- box office success. Uh, success yeah but other than that 2015 has not been kind to warner brothers yeah and he went on to talk about kevin sujahara and just to kind of back up just a moment if you don't know who kevin sujahara is he's the chairman and the ceo of warner brothers entertainment and so ben affleck said look i am really impressed with this guy and the fact that you know he really cares about these projects and he says it's not like some of these guys the studios that basically just kind of like phone it in and not really care so much about the properties and just say look we just need to find a franchise movie we need a movie that with the names of batman and superman in it. And it really doesn't matter what it is because, you know, that's how we're going to make money. And Ben said, you know, that's not what Kevin Sujahar is. Kevin is really, really involved to make sure that we're putting out really good movies. And that means, and that kind of means a lot to me because, I mean, I've, you know, following Kevin Smith a little bit, Ben Affleck is a comic book fan. Yeah. Yeah, He loves, he loves Batman. And so he cares about this material. So you got to realize that his comments about Sujahara are coming from someone who is like, I love this stuff. Yeah. And it means something to me that this guy actually has some consideration for was the quality of the product that we are producing right now. Well, and I think we already saw that already. I mean, we delayed the release of Batman v Superman because uh, it was more important to make sure they put out a very good quality long-term plan, you know, kind of build up, you know, where this extended universe was going to go with the DC films. It seems like proof is in the pudding and that's exactly right. I mean, he's actually, you know, they've allowed them to make sure they really put out a good film here and that's by all indications that's what we're going to get and uh he also kind of revealed here that ben has actually worked with warner brothers here to rearrange his film schedule now he's actually ben's doing two different movies coming up here there's one where he's going to be acting in it's a it's a gavin o'connor directed film called the accountant and then there was another one where he's actually directing it uh it's called live by night which is an adaptation of another dennis lehane novel which he i think ben affleck's first his directorial debut 
was a Dennis Lehane mm-hmm. adaptation. Right. Uh, gone Baby Gone. Yeah, Gone Baby Gone. And apparently Ben has actually moved these two projects, one for one he was directing and one for one he was going to star in. And he's actually moved these projects so he can accommodate these DC-based projects. So, you know, when we hear things about, you know, when is the the highly rumored The Batman film uh, going to happen? You know, it's it's very complicated. You have to work around a lots of different schedules here. And, and I, I, I'm guessing we're going to probably find out some news here pretty soon about when that's going to be. But it seems like by all indications that Ben has basically really accommodated this. Well, not just Ben, but it sounds like Sujahara. It sounds like the studio has said, we are okay with pushing these dates back right. so that you can be in these films. Yeah. I, I don't think it, it's not coming just from Ben Affleck. It's like a it's like a mutual agreement that we want this DCEU moving along so other things can kind of wait so we can make sure that we get the ball rolling in all these different DC property movies. Yeah. Well, and here's something kind of interesting, too. Now, you know, just kind of being a fan. And you hear lots of different things about Warner Brothers and you hear about Time Warner. And I've always been a little bit confused about what the relationships were on this. And so I'm going to get a little wonky here. I'm just going to kind of do a quick run through for, you know, the listeners here. Uh, now, DC Comics is actually goes all the way up and is owned by Time Warner. So Time Warner actually has three different divisions. Time Warner has HBO. Which includes Cinemax. Which includes Cinemax. The Turner Broadcast System. And that includes like CNN, Headline News, TNT, TBS, Cartoon Network. Uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies, and there's some other ones as well. And then the third division is actually Warner Brothers Entertainment. And Warner Brothers Entertainment is actually led by Kevin Sujahara, and he's like the chairman and CEO of Warner Brothers Entertainment. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, because there's so many different divisions of Warner Brothers Entertainment. I'm just going to kind of run through them here real quick. The film studio is called Warner Brothers Pictures. The Then we have the video game wing of it, and that's called Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Then we've got Warner Brothers Television. Then we have Warner Brothers Animation, Warner Home Video, and that's like the direct-to-video division. And then you have a couple other small studios, New Line Cinema and Castle Rock Entertainment. And then finally, you have DC Entertainment, which is formerly solely known as DC Comics. DC Entertainment is led by Diane Nelson. She's actually the president of it. So basically, one of the divisions of DC Entertainment is DC Comics, and the co-publishers of DC Comics are Jim Lee and Dan DiDio. And then, of course, we have Jeff Johns, who's the chief creative officer. And let's not forget forget that also Warner Brothers Entertainment owns half of the CW television network with the other half being owned by CBS. Yep. Yeah. So this kind of shows you a pretty complex company here. And there's been a lot of different, uh, you know, in large companies, you tend to use this term called silos. And when you have silos, you each of the divisions usually kind of act on their own and they don't really cooperate with some of the other sister divisions. And when Kevin Sujahara came in in 2013, he decided, you know, he's going to break down a lot of these different silos and, and make sure all the different divisions work together on these properties. And so he issued an edict that basically all the DC IP was open for business with all the other divisions. Now, hold on. Let's, because we're getting very wonky here. Most of understand IP stands for intellectual property. Right. Which basically means these characters, these stories, that the corporation owns it as intellectual property. They have the copyright on these characters. 
And yep. that's what it means by IP. Right. And the way this has worked in the past is basically the Warner Brothers pictures had a very tight control on all the DC comic book properties. And so that's why you didn't really see a whole lot up until when Smallville came about. When Smallville came about, the only reason that was allowed to happen is because they weren't really doing anything with the Superman properties on the big screen. And that's why the highly rumored Bruce Wayne TV show didn't happen because they were trying to get Batman to Begins up and running. Yep. And so Smallville happened because they weren't planning on Superman. Yeah. And this has kind of led to some of those things that we've talked about on previous shows where characters didn't get used in TV shows or characters suddenly exited TV shows right. because films were being developed because Warner Brother Pictures, before Sujahara took over, basically got veto power. It's right. Like, Wait a minute. We want to do something with them. So you can't. It was sort of like Warner Brothers Pictures told all the other divisions of Warner Brothers Entertainment, no, 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 get out of our sandbox. Right. Well, and that's why Kevin Sujahara come in and was basically such an important figure here because he said, look, we need to all kind of work together on this and kind of work towards the same goal. So Kevin formed a council between the divisions and they meet every two weeks to help coordinate strategies. And this council includes DC Entertainment's Diane Nelson and Jeff Johns, Warner Brothers Pictures, Susan Kroll and Greg Silverman, and then Warner Brothers TV's Peter Roth. And the these groups get together and all try to help each other to be successful. And so essentially, if, if TV has something that they want to do, and if there's a character they want to use, but they know that the film divisions actually got plans for that character, they'll either try to find a way to to maybe simultaneously use the same character, or maybe they'll they'll kind of clear a spot so that they have a little bit more of a, of room to kind of exclusively use that character. So there's a lot more cooperation that's going on here. And in the past, that just was not there. There was no cooperation between the different divisions and, and and that's why you would have kind of the strong arm of the film division kind of shutting down some of these TV projects. And so really, this kind of openness and attitude from Kevin C. Jahar is what really has led to kind of the explosion of the DC TV universe. Well, it gets me is that it makes no sense to me why Warner Brothers was operating the way it was prior to 2013. This kind of feeds into some of my frustration where characters would appear, say, on Arrow and then would stop appearing all because a movie was being developed mm-hmm. or that we said we want to use this character but they said no you can't use that character and i like this because this this council this idea of we don't want to oversupply but we also don't want one division to get more power than others this makes more sense to me as in we are one company mm-hmm. we are several divisions but since we're playing with the same toys and we're all on the same team can't we all just get along yeah and i th- and this kind of shows how we get a gotham tv show while batman's going to be appearing on screen yeah. we have a flash tv show while we have a flash movie in pr- in you know development this would never have happened just a few years ago as it as it you know the whole reason Batman never showed up on Smallville right there was a reason there was never we got one call out to Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. in 10 years yeah and it was because of this prior way of thinking so I'm just when I read this article earlier this week I was like why hasn't it been working this way yeah no this is great I mean this really gives a lot of insight to you know us that kind of follow the DC properties here it seems like we really have a whole new attitude at um, basically at 
time Warner right now that's going to really kind of open up these things. And we've been seeing it, you know, we're seeing a lot more basically collaboration and, and exposure of these different characters into different mediums. So, but I think that's why the DCEU is happening. Yes. I don't think the D I don't think the DCEU or the way that DC TV has just taken over. This could not have happened without this attitude adjustment. Right. And once again, if, if you think back, what started happening around 2013 kind of explains what where we are now in 2015. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, once again, it was very eye-opening reading this article. And if you guys want to read this article and just get a few more details, it was, it was on Yahoo News. Mm-hmm. And it was very enlightening, very interesting, especially for anyone who's wondering like how the how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. This was one of those articles that was were just an intriguing read. So, anyway, so that's a little background information. Hopefully, we didn't get too wonky on you here, but uh, it's been real interesting to me trying to understand it. And this article was real eye opening to me to understanding how they're organized. So, it's a good read. Now, you said that uh, Lex Luthor decided to tweet you on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So again, we have the Lex Luthor viral marketing account. It's at Alexander Luther. And he actually has been kind of quiet lately, uh, but he put out a tweet on Thanksgiving. And I'm just going to quote it because it, it's so distinctly prickish Lex Luthor. And he said, this Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for the loved ones I have around me and the ones that I don't. <laughs> That's all he said. So I, I just love that because that to me would just kind of put the nail on the head of exactly what we should expect from Lex Luthor, very self-centered around himself. So just something kind of fun. Uh, If you're not following the account, uh, go ahead and jump on there and just follow him because I think we're about ready to start getting some of the the promised release of Lex OS news that was supposed to happen in winter of of 2015. So getting real close. Now we got some Wonder Woman merchandise still being revealed. Uh, Graffiti Designs, who really does a lot of the official licensed DC t-shirts. I have to admit that these are the t-shirts that I look for at my local comic book store because mm-hmm. they they are the highest quality. They are the best uh, licensed tees, I think, on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they re- they revealed, apparently at New York Comic Con, but it's only now kind of making its way to those of us who weren't there, mm-hmm. what the new DCEU Wonder Woman logo is going to look like. And I dig it. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, it's, it looks like... Um... It's very clean lines. It's kind of metallic looking. It's the classic W kind of shape that we have, but it looks like it has somewhat of a bird. Well, it's got the eagle look The little eagle look to it. But it's got like two layers. Like you see, you know, much like the Superman logo as well for DCEU, you actually see like different layers on this thing. So um, it's hard to describe it um, just on here. Well, I think think metallic is the exact word because it looks like it's a part of a piece of armor. Yeah. But still recognizably Wonder Woman. Yep. I think that's what I think that's what I love about it. Yeah. It's modern but recognizable. Yep. So anyway, keep an eye out for that as well. And we had Dwayne Johnson, our very own The Rock, who's going to be playing Black Adam in some future film for the DCEU. He actually responded to the wonderful pick that was sent out by Gal Gadot showing her in that cloak uh, on the set of Wonder Woman. And he made this little statement in a Twitter response where he says, you know, dope, can't wait, love ya fam. So, you know, The Rock, he always loves to do these very subtle hints and teases about things. And I can't wait to see what kind of crazy fan theories we're going to get that that The Rock was really teasing that Black Adam is really family with Wonder Woman. Do you think that'll happen? Do I think that a crazy fan is going to come <laughs> up with that theory? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I think it 
it means is that he's all part of the DC family. Right. Yeah. And because the fun thing about the, about Dwayne Johnson is he really can nerd out. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to watch a guy who could break me five different ways with his pinky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still have such the joy of a child yeah. that and he's loving this and he can't you can just tell he can't wait for that Shazam movie to really get started right and you know and because he was announced so early there's been so much speculation that maybe he's going to sh- appear long before the Shazam movie comes out and uh we'll have to see what happens but you know he's definitely still very much engaged and you can just tell that he's got so much he wants to say right now that he just can't <laughs> and there was a fun pick that that at least came with the news story it wasn't in the tweet itself but of him like totally like chilling out doing sort of a, a picture with Gal Gadot yeah that just looked they just were having fun. Yeah. And once again, that's what I want to see. I want to see these actors just having fun with this stuff that brings me so much joy and entertainment. Yep. That's definitely what you want. So kind of moving on to the Wonder Woman filming, we actually got some of the first evidence of a location, a specific location that they were potentially filming at. And this came from some fans that posted some pictures on uh, Instagram here. But there were some production trucks that were spotted right outside of the high commission of australia building in london itself and according to the fans that saw these trucks out there they saw the production code name nightingale written on these trucks and so the high commission of australia building was actually the interior of that building was actually used it was called gringotts bank in harry potter and the sorcerer's stone now you were describing this to me i i couldn't quite remember what this looked like but scott you were describing this it's just kind of a very kind of a modern looking almost like roman architecture well i I was thinking classical, sort of Greco-Roman. It's yeah. just, it's gorgeous. I took, see, I was thinking this would probably play into some sort of Greek setting for them. Mm. I was even thinking that it could be used maybe for, you know, some god location, like some sort of lair, maybe Olympus. You disagreed with that, mm. but it still, it gives you that, it still gives you that classical feel. Yeah. That, and anyone who's seen Harry Potter and the Sorcerer Stone, or for our UK friends, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I know we changed the title. Yeah. Uh, go watch that movie and watch that scene where Harry, you know, gets his bank account, and it is that's apparently part of filming. Hmm. And just and then let your fan theories fly about where that place is going to be. Yeah. But the great thing is we're finally starting to get some very specific locations being identified for the filming. So uh, the fun is just beginning, my friend. Oh my goodness. Well, and once again. Again, we go back to the Collider article. I, I, how much more is going to come out of that interview? I think that was it. I think this really? is probably it, yeah. Uh, because we got some Aquaman news from Chuck Roven from that exact same Collider article that we have literally spent the last two or three weeks talking about. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about James Wan, the director for Aquaman solo film, his involvement in the current development. And Roven went on to say that Aquaman is only in its very, very early days. There just starting with a screenplay, which we've talked about the fact that they still haven't yep. picked a screenwriter yet. Right. Or at least not one that they have officially announced. And Rovin went on to say that James Wan is he's working on his other movie. He's working on Conjuring 2. So right now, he's not really that involved in Aquaman development right now. 
Yeah, and this was a little surprising to me because I expected that he had a little more hands on at this point. But according to Chuck Rovin, that he basically had his hand in the creation of maybe a working document uh, for which the screenwriters would kind of work from. But and to kind of put it in Rovin's words, he's his hand is ever so slightly in the development. So it really sounds like it's almost almost entirely out of James Wan's hands right now, and they're just allowing him to finish up his film right now. But he did say that you know as soon as he's done with Conjuring Two, he's really going to throw himself into the film. Well, and. And I, Tim, I want to sort of check you there. I, I don't, the way you made it sound, almost made it sound like that. I don't think the studio is trying to keep James Wan out of it. I no. just think James Wan is just so, so devoted to his current film that he, he's not able to work on the Aquaman movie right. yet. And he will be completely involved once that becomes his primary focus. Well, and that's the thing uh, a lot of people don't really understand with filmmaking is the schedules are so completely tight and you can never exactly work on something when you need to. You know, we've got a date already set aside for Aquaman, a preliminary date anyway. And so they're trying to work to that timeline. Well, when they decided to bring on James Wan as a filmmaker, well, he had other commitments that he had already made. And so they're trying to work around that. So in the meantime, they need to keep this the production of this film kind of moving along. And so they really can't wait for James Wan to be there. And so, you know, as soon as he's able to get himself fully invested, he'll jump right in. But sounds like they're just, you know, just trying to carry on without him for right now. Well, but I mean, then we have a screenplay yet. And right. I never really feel like, I mean, usually a director isn't really involved to, unless the director's writing it. The director's not involved until there's something to actually, you know, shoot from. Yeah, it all depends. I mean, it, it, different directors do different things. Some guys just want to come in and just clearly direct. And uh, so in this case, uh, I, I think that's that's kind of where James Wan is right now. Yeah. Now, Rovin also talked about their hiring philosophy for directors. And I feel like we've kind of talked about this before, mm-hmm. that at least if in the DCEU approach, it's always been about finding creative voices. Right. Find a director with a voice. Let them play in our universe. Let them kind of know the roadmap basically you can't do this you can't do that because the character's got to go on this trajectory mm-hmm. but as long as you don't go too far left or too far right go for it yeah play, go and play with the characters yep you're right and that's what we talked about before it's just really making sure that the filmmakers have as much flexibility as possible while still kind of staying true to the main course of the dceu well we actually you know kind of speaking of you know some of the early development of aquaman there's some rumors going around from paul sherry at joe blow and he's actually saying that what he's hearing, even though the script is at the very early stages right now, he's getting some um, sources that are kind of suggesting that um, the main antagonist of the film is going to be Ocean Master. Oh, makes sense. It's an Aquaman film. Right. And, you know, there's been talk that a lot of these films, you know, might have more of an origin story to them, uh, some of these solo films. And and this would be one that I think you would definitely want to have some type of origin story to would be, you know, would be Aquaman. And this really makes sense because, you know, there's a great struggle in in the source material between Ocean Master, known as Orm Marius, Aquaman's half-brother, and you know, I think that would actually make a great story. It's it's kind of very much, very reminiscent of kind of like Game of Thrones. Well, I think it, for modern readers, if you go back to Jeff Johns' run on Justice League and Aquaman, that great crossover story, Throne of Atlantis. Yeah. I right. think that would make a fantastic basis 
for an Aquaman solo movie as much as like I know that the guys at my local comic book store they even go as far as to say Throne of Atlantis was the greatest Aquaman story ever written right yep. and I think that that struggle between brothers you know it, it, it's Shakespearean right and I think it would make the film I mean it would make a great plot for the film if it is true since this is this is this is heavily rumored territory we're dealing with right yeah that's I'm glad you threw that in sometimes we forget to mention that that you know because this is at the early stages so much of this can change and and a lot of times it does change so just take it with a grain of salt it's just kind of fun to talk about i i like to speculate on you know where this might go and i love the idea of this being the story for the film well they actually went on to talk about what mira's role was going to be and 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 basically how she's going to be portrayed and and the way it was being described is that she's going to be a force major force to be reckoned with and it was described that she's going to be much like furiosa from mad max fury road which i love that i just love the idea that you know mira is is almost like an equal to to arthur curry to aquaman and uh, to me that's always been when she's been betrayed the best well i mean because she comes from that other line of you know atlanteans or you know the mythology gets a little little wonky here but she comes from a different race of people who also live under the water which is why she has a different power set Mm -hmm. than the atlanteans do so i always like it when you know she is she is a full partner when she does become queen of Atlantis. Yeah. Anyway, and then the last little bit, uh, apparently they're looking to try to cast a diverse character to play her as well, which I think makes sense because, you know, obviously with Aquaman, a very uh, non-traditional actor in Jason Momoa is cast. And and I'd, I'd like to see them cast someone that looks very similar as well. And and this is a perfect opportunity to, to add some diversity to the DC universe as well. And then this is just kind of, this will lead into a couple of other things we have to talk about, which is they're looking for diversity, even if it means casting against type or opening themselves up to characters who are in the DC universe mm-hmm. who could maybe prop up their own film. Uh, let's start with the first one, which is the idea that the from Latino Review that it is rumored that Black Canary is being cast to appear in either Justice League Part One or Justice League Part Two. Yeah, and I love this idea too because you know again we're we're talking about really trying to really have a lot of strong female protagonists in these films, and and Black Canary is such a good one to use. I mean, she's obviously getting a lot of exposure right now on TV's Arrow. And, you know, I think, I, you know, and she's actually got a long history with the Justice League as well. And I think this is perfect. I, I love the idea of being able to bring her in. And, uh, you know, especially as you're starting to build up a, a film or a fan base right now, you know, because of the TV. Well, and they had two actresses that I don't know where these names came from or where Latino Review got them. But apparently some names that are being batted around are Abby Lee, who was the dag in Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. And also Alana Tall, who her main thing is she's done a ton of TV work. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's appeared on Burn Notice, Supernatural. And when I looked at a picture, I was like, wait a minute, I know this face. And she was on a season of Veronica Mars. Yeah. And so those were a couple of names. And, they, you know, they're both both white blonde chicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, so I mean that fits with you know the traditional depiction of Black Canary in the comics. Beyond that, you know, I don't know what else they're looking for. Yeah, and I personally, I would look, I would probably pick Alana Tal simply because I just can't get past her brown eyes. <laughs> she just got these gorgeous eyes, and and for no other reason, you know, I know it's a terrible reason to want to uh, pick her, but I just, I just, to me, she just totally fit the part visually for me. Now, th- this rumor. 
also introduces another rumor that apparently that they are developing a Birds of Prey film. Mm -hmm. Now, for our listeners who may not be familiar, Birds of Prey was a series that was originally introduced in the 90s, created by Chuck Dixon, Mm -hmm. that that was a female superhero team, uh, originally made up of Oracle, Barbara Gordon, uh, when she was in the wheelchair, uh, Black Canary, and uh, Helena Bertinelli's The Huntress. Yeah. And so, and a, those are names that pop up in, you know, this list. They talk about Black Canary. They talk about Barbara Gordon, either as Oracle or as Batgirl. Uh, Lady Blackhawk, I have, who I'm not that familiar with, Tim. Do you know who that is? There's actually, I think it was a Howard Chaikin Blackhawk series. And they actually introduced Lady Blackhawk in that. And it's just basically, it's it's a female Blackhawk member. Oh, okay. The, the, uh, the, the fighter squadron team? Yeah, the fighter squadron team. Yep. Okay. And so they, this is just a modern interpretation of her. Okay. And then Huntress, more yeah. likely the Helena Bertinelli version, yeah. which has also been featured on Arrow. Right. And then Dove of the Hawk and Dove team, which there's been both male and female yeah. versions of Dove. And obviously this would be, a, if it's Birds of Prey, it has to be a female, ver- it has to be a female Dove. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it necessarily has to be. I mean, even in the comics, isn't there a male member of Birds of Prey? Uh, there was, there was in the new 52 run right before it was canceled, there was a male member but no traditionally it is yeah. a all female the 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 shtick of the series is it's an all-female team yeah so i mean again this is something that the the dc cinematic universe can actually kind of take advantage of you know you have a strong established female team and you know this could be kind of a first and it seems like they're trying to fast track it which i, I think is great you know if you remember there was a tv show and i can't remember what year this came out but there was actually a it was of- 2002 2002 I, re- I watched it did you okay i did yeah i I, I did not watch it, but... Uh, uh, good for you, sir. Good, <laughs> well, good for you. I was a little late to the party, and I heard enough about it that I was like, okay, I'll put that on my list quite far on the bottom. So Let's just put it this way. The last episode was the best episode. Okay. <laughs> was it because it was the last episode? No, actually, no, actually. they. It was like the last episode was kind of what you wish the rest of the show uh, had been like. Because what happened was that it got canceled, but then they said, but here's enough money for you to do a two part finale gotcha like the, it was it was kind of nice the, the the wb said we're canceling you but we're gonna at least let you you know write yourself an ending mm-hmm. and they went out with a bang okay that's all i can say i'll have to check it out one of these days at least a couple episodes yeah now scott th- this is one of the things just kind of closing off discussion on this topic here now you actually weren't really aware of this but jenna malone starred which with i was her. aware that she was in the film yeah <laughs> let's, let's clarify this <laughs> right you were aware she was in the film but you hadn't heard that she was being rumored to be possibly playing Barbara Gordon. No, I did not. Because a year or two ago when that extra from Batman v Superman came out and kind of broke his NDA. And you and Justin talked about this on yep. the Watchmen special episode. Um, I'd always heard the rumor was she was Carrie Kelly. Uh, Carrie Kelly being the Robin from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. So when I read this article this week and it talked about the rumor of her being Barbara Gordon, my reaction was, well, when did that happen? Because <laughs> yeah. the last time I heard she was Carrie Kelly. Yeah. So Well, I mean, there's there's been a lot of rumors going around with either one. I mean, if you kind of think about it, if you think of the characters that are likely to be associated with this film either one of those she could really play pretty well so i I think you know who knows what's true i mean i think some of this is just pure you know fan speculation at this point but it you know i like the idea of it you know she she uh was actually in sucker punch so she's done kind of an action type film 
And she's in the Hunger Game franchise. And she's in the Hunger Game franchise. So, you know, I could totally see her possibly playing Barbara Gordon. So the question would be, you know, would she actually be Batgirl or would she be Oracle? I think she'd be Oracle, to be honest with you. And I think it's interesting that she is a well-known enough name that it's interesting that no one's talking about her. Like, there is no official word on who she is in the film. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I like the idea of Fast Track in this film. I I think this would fit great into the universe. So, And I do think that as far as Birds of Prey is concerned, we do need something to kind of wash the taste of that TV show out of our mouths. <laughs> okay. Because it's an okay, it's a B, it's B movie level, um, but it does give superhero television kind of a bad name. Yeah, but I mean, that was kind of like the Smallville era as well. I mean, to me, I just, all that is just like a whole different era to me. Well, they it even tied into Smallville. Like, they make a reference. They, they had one reference in one episode that tied it into the Smallville universe. Oh, okay. I yeah. I have no idea about that, so. Yes. Cool. Moving on, Scott, you were telling us about the rumored villain for Justice League Part 1. Yeah, and this, and this, I don't know. I just feel like this, this rumor, the, basically the rumor says the villain's going to be Darkseid. And I feel like that that rumor has been around for years. I even feel like it's been around since the George Miller Justice League Mortal movie. Like, mm. that that was going to be, that he was going to be the bad guy. Because really, if you think about the DC Universe, if you want to talk about big bads that is worth combining the entire Justice League together to fight. Yeah. I always feel like it comes down between two two villains. Right. Brainiac or Darkseid. Right. Same here. Those are your choices. Or maybe Doomsday. If, um, you know, if Doomsday's not used before that, you know, I could see Doomsday being one of those characters as well. Yeah. My only concern with Darkseid being in the Justice League film is that we've got in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've got Infinity War coming up Mm -hmm. and you've got Thanos. And unfortunately, because Thanos has appeared in the Marvel Cinematic Universe before Darkseid will appear in the DCEU, you're not probably going to have an audience that understands that Darkseid came first. Yeah. Thanos is a rich off of Darkseid. Yeah. And my only concern is that if Darkseid appears in the Justice League movie, that you're going to have people who don't who don't know the history saying, oh, DC's just ripping off Marvel. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. They just have a, they have a equivalent character. And by the way, Darkseid was created 10 to 20 years before Thanos was. Yeah. So. Well, I think you're, I think you're talking like a fan, quite honestly. I mean. I am. I, I I, I, and I, I fully admit that. <laughs> I'm fully admit that. Yeah. I and mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, just put out a very good, compelling film. And I think in the end, that's what matters. You're going to have people that want to try to make comparisons and, you know, measure things and say, OK, this came out before this one. And in the end, that doesn't really matter. It What's going to matter is, is the quality of the film. So. And the quality of the bad guy. And the quality of the bad guy. Because I'm sorry, you've got a lot. I'm I'm going to be honest. This is me. You know, this is me being a little picky. But Michael Ironside as the voice of Darkseid in Superman: The Animated Series. Mm-hmm. That is still my. That is still my bar mm-hmm. for for Darkseid. Right. Because. He's he's that voice that I hear when I read Darkseid in comics. Yep. He's like Kevin Conroy in Batman. That's the voice in my head. <laughs> right. Yep. Nope. I totally get you. All right. So we have some 
Green Lantern Corps news. Now, this actually comes from Joe Blow as well. And they had a little bit of inside information about where they see that property going right now. And what they're hearing is that the Green Lantern Corps movie is basically going to be a buddy cop actioneer type of movie set in space. And the way it was described was maybe to be more exact was describing as lethal weapon in space. And it was going to involve Hal Jordan and John Stewart. So maybe that's what we're going to be seeing more. I, I like the idea of it. I think it, I think you could have a lot of good fun dynamics on that and play with two very popular Green Lanterns as well. I don't know. So I like the idea of that. But I was when I heard it was going to be called Green Lantern Corps, I was expecting that maybe we'd see you know Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, which we still might, but it sounds like at least the thinking right now is it'll be basically playing off two main characters. Well, I mean, Hal Jordan being the original Green Lantern and being, you know, get, gaining popularity since Jeff Jones resurrected him in the comics, yeah. and then Jon Stewart being the Green Lantern that a lot of people grew up with because he was in the Justice League cartoon. Right. I mean, really, you're going to hit your two core Green Lantern audiences with these two Lanterns. Yeah. You're going to get your core, fa- you're going to get your original fans and you're going to get your fans that grew up with the cartoon but then you also get the diversity of an african-american actor and a and a caucasian actor yeah and so it kind of gives you the if you're thinking of marketing you're kind of getting the best of both worlds and i can kind of see when they say lethal weapon in space you know you get john stewart as the danny glover the sort of by the book you know follow the rules Mm -hmm. and then you get hal jordan as the hot shot fighter pilot sticking his nose to the guardian saying let's do this (laughs) yeah well and it kind of goes along with uh dc as well you know dc's philosophy is kind of you know get right into the team films quickly you know we're seeing it obviously with justice league and even batman v superman the second film in the you know the dc eu is going to involve three main heroes that we know of and uh and you know we just got done talking about birds of prey as well and this makes sense as well like i i think you can do a lot more and maybe gather more of an audience if you have more people in it. So you're basically seeing the Green Lantern film going from a solo film to a, basically a team film. So I like the idea of that. And that actually leads into the next one that we want to talk about, which is Cyborg. Now, Cyborg is a film that is tentatively scheduled to come out in, in 2020, I believe. Yes, yeah, 2020. Yeah. And so we're actually hearing now that the Cyborg film is probably going to turn more into possibly Cyborg and a Teen Titans or maybe just a straight Teen Titans film. And again, this is another one I, I really like the idea of that because, you know, Cyborg, quite honestly, you brought this up, Scott, doesn't have like a very well-established or known kind of rogues gallery or like set of villains that he would be having to go up against. Well, because he's always been a member of a team. He's always been a member of a team. When Marv Wolfman and George Perez created him, it was in the new Teen Titans. Right. When he got reintroduced to the new 52, he became one of the big seven of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. So he's never really existed solo on his own. He's mm-hmm. always existed as a member of a team. Mm-hmm. And so I can kind of buy this rumor. Yes. Uh, they could even go the sort of the Jeff Johns route. When Jeff Johns wrote Teen Titans, it, he, Cyborg, kind of became the mentor leader of the Teen Titans to actual teens. Because by that point, Cyborg wasn't a teen anymore. Right. And so he became, he became sort of that leader, mentor, older character, which if Cyborg is being considered part of the big seven for the Justice League film, I could kind of see him being, you know, that person who kind of, you know, sees a need to cultivate younger heroes to, you know, you know, the idea that we're training you so that you can kind of start to rotate in as you get older to become members of the Justice League. Right. And if you kind of think about it in real life, when you've got actors that, you know, are only going to do so many films and they're going to want to move on, 
to me, this seems like the logical way that you can kind of keep the universe going is you establish your main, you know, Justice League team. And then, you know, a little bit down the road, you establish some new characters that are younger. They're the Teen Titans. And then they can become your Justice League, you know, as they get a little older. And so I, I think this is kind of a smart way of doing it. So I, I think that, again, this is this is a better move to me to actually have more of a, a team type of environment for Cyborg to be in. Well, and again, too, you know, we've, you know, Teen Titans Go is a very popular show and uh, for a younger audience. And, you know, there's people that are very familiar with these characters. There's a, there's a lot of people that know who Starfire and Raven are and, you know, Wonder Girl, et cetera. And uh, I think this is, uh, I think this is a great way of doing it. Well, and then you got the, the actual Teen Titans show that ran for five seasons before that, True. which an entire generation has grown up on that cartoon series. Yeah. So, I mean, either, either you love the original Teen Titans, you're younger and you like Teen Titans Go, or you at least have some appreciation for both incarnations of the show Mm -hmm. but you know even my two-year-old can go robin cyborg (laughs) beast boy you know my two-year-old can knows who the teen titans are yeah and i think you're referring to young justice right don't (laughs) don't open that wound yeah rest in peace you were such a wonderful show yes it was okay we we can we would be admit we would be remiss not to hit the big dc tv news that dropped this week yeah on tuesday we got a trailer for DC's Legends of Tomorrow. For those of you not aware, uh, who are you? Um, that is the mid-season show that is going to air during the winter hiatus uh, of Flash and Arrow and will exist within the CW Flash Arrow universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been confirmed by this trailer that the show will air on Thursday nights at 8, 7 central and will premiere on January 21st. Mm-hmm. Now, what we got in this trailer was a little bit more confirmation of the plot. We already knew that Rip Hunter was going to come from the future and gather a team of heroes and villains to battle Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. We we knew that going in. But this trailer, which obviously is basically like a sizzle reel of the first episode, right. at least that's what I thought, kind of just gives you a few more uh, details and actual footage because the, the little teaser we got earlier was just a, a, a promo reel it did it was not actually it was shots from the show. It was like a proof of concept. It, yes. They were using it to sell the show internally. And so the idea is that, you know, Rip Hunter is coming from London of 2166 and Vandal Savage has conquered the entire world mm-hmm. and Rip Hunter has been tasked, and I'm thinking probably from the Time Masters, because yes, that's who yes. he works for in the comics, to go back in time and actually stop this from happening. Mm-hmm. Do whatever he needs to do to change the timeline to stop Vandal Savage from ascending to the level of power that he has ascended to. Well, and we know who for sure who the team is now, and he calls them out. It includes um, the Atom, White Canary, Heat Wave, Captain Cold, Hawk Girl, Hawk Man, and Firestorm. And I think um, the Firestorm, he refers to eight members, and I think he's referring to Firestorm, the two different people. Right, because you got uh, J- Jeffrey Jackson and Dr. Martin Stein. Right, yep. Now, what were your, uh, so Tim, what were the what were the highlights for you in this trailer? Oh man, there are so many different highlights. Um, the one that really kind of jumped out at me, I was so excited to see because I've just never seen this in any kind of live action film, whether it be TV or obviously the cinema. Hawkgirl and Hawkman, I just thought looked incredible. I thought the action sequences of showing them with their wings kind of um, uh, engaging and then, you know, basically folding back into their backs and all that. I thought it looked great. And then there's a great scene. Honestly, couldn't tell if it was Hawkman or Hawkgirl, but basically flying down and just kind of drop kicking somebody. 
It looks like Hawkman to me. I know the exact scene you're talking about. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I loved is you actually see spiked maces. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's just something that, like, to me has always been, you know, I want to see Hawkman with that that giant iron mace. Well, see, my problem is I think the mace is too small. I want the mace to be bigger. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not sure that's just something about me, but, you know, we'll (laughs) we'll leave that one alone. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, it just just looked great. I mean, the the action just looked really good. Uh, Like, all the scenes, there, uh, there was one with White Canary where she's apparently undercover in several different scenes. Like we see her dressed probably about two or three different outfits. And there's one where she just kind of jumps down and I think she has a knife with her or something. Yes, I know that one because she's in that sort of fur fur (laughs) coat. Because apparently in the first episode, they traveled in 1975. Yeah. Because this is a time travel show. Especially, I mean, you can't have Rip Hunter and not have a time travel show. Yeah. Which I love the fact that his ship is called Wave Rider. Right. (laughs) Uh, For those of you don't know wave rider is another member of the time, the time masters yeah. and in the comics is a character who could travel through time and would work a- alongside rip hunter mm-hmm. so obviously they're just nodding to the character by naming his ship that yeah well and then the other thing uh, i loved about that for for one the ship just looked great um i thought the special effects on that were really good so um the other thing though is we actually got to see the atom in a little more action here now we, we've kind of seen on arrow he's shrunk down and he, refresh my memory on this did he actually shrink down last year in season three no well no it was just that whole, promo it was that little it was just proof that of promo, concept yes. yeah it was that proof of concept promo for legends of tomorrow that we actually saw him shrink down because remember that's the plot of this se- of season four is that right. he realizes oh this works yeah i just what I, I just couldn't remember if he actually shrunk down uh, in the season last year but you actually see him in action it looks very very active he's he's flying he's bursting basically to to uh, full height which I, that's the part I really loved because it just seemed like when he did it, just whatever he was in just blew up around him. And that's one thing I've always kind of loved about um, the Atom. Like if he's shrunk down and and basically amongst all the molecules, if he just grows to normal size, everything should just burst around him. And it looked like that's what we were seeing in this. Now, I my, my part is the fact that I love the fact that when you, the entire trailer is being narrated by Rip Hunter, yeah. who, uh, by the way, is played by Arthur Darvel, who was on uh, Matt Smith's tenure as, do- as the doctor in Doctor Who, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I geek out about. Yeah. And I love listening to his, to his, you know, his, his narration. He talks about, I've seen men of steel fall in dark <laughs> and, and I've seen men of steel die in dark nights fall. Yeah. And I've seen her going, Oh dear God, we just got a Superman and Batman call out in the yeah. flash arrow universe. Where are they? Are they in a different timeline? What's going on? Well, okay. So when I heard that, I didn't take that, that he's directly referring to Batman and Superman. I mean, it's, Oh, he it's, is Tim. Get over that. He is. <laughs> it's pretty on the nose, but it, I, I fear that this might be one of these little cutesy call outs that are done just to kind of like, you know, just for the fans. No, we'll see. Here's the thing. You know, if you, if you follow flash and arrow, they've done a call out to Batman using vibe, uh, you know, suggesting that maybe he has detected Batman in the multiverse before. Yeah. And they've also referenced Superman in a fashion in the Arrow tie-in comic that is written by the writers of the show. And if you go back to the very first episode of Flash in the future newspaper that Eobard Thawne looks at, yeah. it says it talks about a Queen Industries Wayne Tech merger. Mm-hmm. So they've at least established that in some alternate timeline or some alternate universe in the TV universe, 
Batman and Superman have existed. Yeah. So well, with time we'll travel and alternate realities, you never know. Yeah. Oh, and, and one other thing, by the way, so there's a glowing green rock that you see in this. That's actually not kryptonite, folks. Well, it's not even glowing. Let, let's be honest. It's well, not glowing. It, it kind of looked glowing because it's clear and it's bright green. And But yeah, it's not kryptonite. So No, the the, 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 little, the placard says the Maximilian Emerald if you freeze frame it. Yeah, which is actually a real jewel in real life. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I thought it just looked great. I, I just, you know, I remember when this thing debuted on Tuesday, I just watched it and I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing it. I was, it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Well, and what got me was that I thought the Flash was embracing its a comic bookiness. Mm-hmm. This leaves Flash <laughs> in the dust as far as it's concerned of like going full on comic book. Yeah, no, it looks like it's just going to be a fun ride. Uh, I just, I'm so looking forward to this. I, I just hope it does really well because it, it looks like, it looks like everything like you said that Flash did and just took it to a whole new level. Yeah. Now, really quickly, since we're talking about the CW, it, it, it is important to note that if you are an iZombie fan, and, you know, Tim and I watch iZombie, mm-hmm. I don't know how many of you do, mm-hmm. uh, they have gotten six more episodes ordered for their season two, right. which now brings them up to a 19-episode order. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, we know that on CW shows, typically you expect a... a 22-episode mm-hmm. order to get a full season. So really, they're only three episodes away from what the CW would traditionally consider a full season. Yeah. So congratulations to iZombie. Yeah, and uh, I bought the season right away from uh, the first episode for um, iZombie on Vudu, and so I'm hoping I get those episodes. I would expect I would, but um, anyway, just something kind of neat. Definitely. Well, Bleeding Cool, um, they report that they have a source. And almost every website that's con- who's talked <laughs> about these rumors kind of put source in quotation marks. Yeah. Uh, that has two rumors. One is that John Constantine, Matt Ryan, will appear in the second season of Legends of Tomorrow in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that the plan for Legends of Tomorrow is that every season would feature a, ro- a different cast and a different mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they are also looking to cast Stephen R. McQueen of the Vampire Diaries mm-hmm. as a unnamed character in season two. Well, and he's the guy that's been really kind of self-promoting himself, trying to you know convince whoever that he should be playing Dick Grayson. Yes, because I've seen him. I've seen his workout pictures wearing the Nightwing shirt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, now it's important to note that this is rumor that we have no idea who this source is, and that we haven't even gotten a season one of Legend. <laughs> of tomorrow right and this rumor is stating that these are plans that have already been made for season two yeah uh, this is uh, you should take this completely with a grain of salt right now at this point right we're way ahead of any you know any kind of decisions that are gonna be made on this yes now the exact same article from bleeding cool also says that there is a rumor for the main cast of the flash to appear on supergirl mm-hmm. and that this crossover would happen next May during Sweeps Week. Yeah. Now, of course, the grain of salt there is that Supergirl has not received its back nine order yet. Yeah. Right now, it only has a order of 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. To be airing in May, it would need a full 22 episode season, which it has not gotten its back nine. And, you know, those of us from Constantine remember what it's like not to get our back nine. Yeah. You know, we remember what it's like to get 13 episodes. Now, and this another part of this rumor is the fact that there has been no indication that the Flash and Arrowverse coexist
exists with the Supergirl universe, mm -hmm. remembering that these two shows air on two different networks. Right. So even Supergirl.tv, sort of like the, the major fan Supergirl website, reported this story but said, we chalked this up to being 45% likely. Right, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Tim? Well, I mean, I think it makes sense. Like if you were actually going to try to uh, bolster up uh, Supergirl, you know, the in May, you know, during sweeps week would be the perfect time to do it. And, you know, knowing that there's a lot more collaboration going on between the, the different divisions at uh, at Warner Brothers, uh, I, I think you would also expect that to be just even amongst the TV division to try to bolster them up. And, and since there is a relationship between CW and CBS, it would be more likely that characters would go in a direction from the CW to CBS rather than go the other way. And so I, I think this could just be very, very well crafted and informed speculation at this point. I, it makes sense to, to do something like this, but I, and I don't know that there's anything set in stone at this point. I mean, I think I think they want to make sure they spend the first season really trying to establish Supergirl and her universe. And uh, to do this, to me, would just be a little bit distracting. As much as I would love it, I, I don't think it's necessary at this point. Well, as much as I would love it, I don't think it's going to happen. I, yeah. I I really feel like this is wish fulfillment thinking. I, I, I'm going to be the cynic here and say, I don't really see this happening. Mm -hmm. Do I want it to happen? Sure. <laughs> Do I think it's going to happen? No. Well, that was a, that was a lot of news this week. Yeah. And we want to thank you guys for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show and this full discussion this week. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like when we got started earlier this week that we we're going to have very little to talk about. But this is definitely going to be our longest show yet. So it just keeps on happening. And, we, and I know you guys are getting sick and tired of us hearing saying that week after week, but it just keeps on happening to us. Yeah. We don't mean for it to happen. And I just can imagine what it's going to be like next year when we actually have substantial, really meaningful stuff to talk about. <laughs> so it's just going to, we're going to have to make some tough editorial decisions, I guess. But Scott, where can people find us at? Well, if you want to get in touch with us, once again, the quickest way is on Twitter. You can contact us via the show's Twitter account at Suicide Squadcast, or you can reach us individually. For Scott, you can reach me at ScottDC27. And Tim, where can the good people find you? You can reach me on Twitter as well, at AllenFire. And if you want to reach us where you can, you know, say a little bit more than 140 characters, you can email us at suicidesquadcast at gmail.com. And as many of you know, we answer all tweets and emails, and uh, we just love to interact with the fans. So please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And please reach out to us to tell us how you are finding us. And if you don't want to miss a single episode, please subscribe. We are available at iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Satchel Player, RSS Feeds, and the soon-to-be-launched Google Play music store so please find us click subscribe don't miss an episode yes and uh we like to tend to kind of focus in on itunes right now for reviews because quite honestly itunes is is the gold standard when it comes to podcasts and we like to track and and kind of see how we're doing and get our feedback there but certainly leave us feedback anywhere you listen uh we can use uh, any kind of positive reviews anywhere but scott we actually received five five star reviews this week on itunes and these are actually all written reviews and these are all written reviews. Now, if you look at our, if, you, if you're in the U.S., you might be looking at it going, wait a minute, no, they didn't. Yep. We discovered that our U.K. fans, when they leave their reviews, they don't show up on the U.S. site. Yeah. So we had three reviews come in from listeners in the U.K., and so we're, we're going to lump them all together tonight, and that, that puts us one away from our next uh, prize giveaway. Yep. Well, we'll start off with the two um, U.S.-based reviews. Uh, the first one, it comes from 
Marparmil, and hopefully I'm saying that right, but the title is Stellar Podcast. And Mark Parmil says, really enjoy this podcast, whether I'm in the car, on a plane trip, or cooking a killer meal at home. Keep it up and thank you. Thank you very much, Mark Parmil. We love that review. And I want to know why you haven't cooked us a killer meal uh, for the podcast yet. But anyway, thank you very much for the five-star review. You are now eligible for the giveaway here. And then our next one, U.S.-based, comes from Swervin Irvin. Love that name. I love that name. It's called Let's Blow Something Up. <laughs> uh, and Swervin Irvin says, awesome show. Two guys who actually know their stuff. Very informative and helps me get through my day at work. Yep. Well, thank you. Yep, thank you very much. Now, kind of moving on to our U.K.-based reviews here. Now, this first one came actually back in October, and this was before we realized that the reviews were actually kept separate. Uh, this comes from Jesswin a 1969 and it's titled dc podcast hype if you are a dc fan you have to be subscribed to these guys they cover everything from the small screen to the big screen it also helps they are great speakers and very funny well thank you jesswin we've actually interacted with you on twitter as well so thank you very much and good luck on the contest and then our next one is benny quinn and he named his review benny quinn (laughs) and he says if you are a dc fan like me then check out this podcast these guys do a remarkable job with these podcasts and I really enjoy listening to them. Five stars. And I had to give out a shout out to Benny. Benny's the one who helped us realize about our UK listeners being kind of left out in the cold. Yeah. He was the one who snapped a picture of the UK iTunes store to show us where the reviews were. So thank you, Benny. Yep. And you too are also eligible, even though you are international, to be involved in our contest. Yes. So thank you very much, Benny. And our last one, so our fifth one for the day, um, this one comes from Scott CB78. That's not you, Scott, is it? I will never tell. (laughs) Okay. Titled Dynamic Duo. And it says, After weeks of scouring YouTube and iTunes podcasts, I finally stumble upon something rather different from the norm. Not a trendy that's jumped on the It's Cool to Be a Geek bandwagon to be seen, nor a comic book snob so far up their own behind that anyone who hasn't read every comic book ever written isn't worth talking to. No, what we have here are two guys that have a clear love for all comic films and TV, DC wise and marvel two guys that have a sense of humor and actually know what they're talking about sometimes <laughs> <laughs> two guys that sound like friends welcoming everyone to listen whilst they talk about everything dc listen he thinks we're friends tim That's i know hilarious. how about that yeah we're we're pulling it off we've got everybody fooled uh he, he ends it and he says you know so kick back grab a drink and enjoy a really good way to spend an hour or an hour and a half like today so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you very much scott um you are review number nine out of ten of this latest contest so you just made it in we are now only one review away one five-star written review away on itunes for the next giveaway and the giveaway is either a batman a superman or a wonder woman figure uh, up to twenty dollars u.s american dollars i should say uh worth so please leave us a five-star written review if you love the show and if you do you will be in this contest and and even if you you miss getting in this next group of 10 we're gonna have another contest after this so and by the way if we have international listeners who are leaving us reviews and we haven't read your 
viewers yet, please let us know. Once yeah. again, we, we just discovered the UK store. So please help us out and you know, snap a picture or send it our way. Tell us so that if you haven't heard your review read on our show, that means we haven't seen it because we read every review. Yeah, and apparently uh, iTunes has about 128 different countries uh, that have different storefronts. So we're only talking about two different storefronts right here. Now, I went and checked some other ones and I didn't see any reviews, but it's it's not easy. It's not an easy process. So please, if you leave a review, send us a note. Let us know you did it and we'll, we'll find it. Well, guys, I think that is it for this week. I think it's enough for this week. Yeah. So we want to thank you again for tuning in another week. Uh, we will have an episode next week, but it'll be something special. So and something different. You'll even get to meet Tim's alter ego. Yes, definitely. I can't wait to hear it. So anyway, you guys have a great week and we'll see you then. Right, Scott. So another great week here, but uh, sorry about getting us started at an hour late. Um, I made the big mistake of upgrading my Mac computer to El Capitan, which decided to hose all of my audio settings to do recording. So do you have any idea how I can fix this? Mutiny, Tim. I am mutinying against El Capitan, and he will know my wrath for dragging me out tonight. All right, let's take care of El Capitan.